The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Matthew Halton is an author and non-profit leader who has a unique vision for a new economic system. In his book, Moneyless Society, The Next Economic Evolution, Halton shares his perspective on how a moneyless society could potentially create a better future for all. And Matthew joins us now. How are you today? Wonderful. How about yourself? I'm excellent, thank you. So how do you envision a society without currency actually functioning? (laughs) So, uh, great question. Um, Essentially, it really comes down to people just working with each other more, you know, and not not having to conduct a transaction for every single thing that happens, and uh, preferably pretty much nothing. That's The, the, the goal <laughs> is to pro- provide an abundance of what people need, so it essentially obsoletes currency and the trade-based system, essentially, to where you have to perform labor or you know, have a, you know, some sort of currency towards this for that, you know, essentially, we want to create systems and structures that give people everything that they need. uh, And and just have it highly automated, essentially, so it requires a lot less human labor, um, Mm. you know, and just eliminating eliminating unnecessary human labor is a large part of it, but as well as just creating those agreements, mutual aid agreements, uh, you know, automation, technology, and really utilizing all that to the fullest extent possible. And you say it's about people working together more. Surely that goes against human nature because our nature is to look out for ourselves mainly as opposed to sharing our resources. So how's that going to work? Because surely you can incentivize somebody to do work for no financial reward. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big misconception, too, that human nature is actually this selfish thing, because the majority of our evolution for the last, really, I mean, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, we existed in communities, you know, and if one person was thriving within that community, then everybody was thriving within that community. And it's only within about the last 12,000 years or so that capitalism and the, uh, I mean, capitalism hasn't been around for 12,000 years, but our our current kind of mode of this um, agrarian economy where we're kind of more in these individual units where we're kind of taking care of ourselves, that's that's a very recent thing. 
in our in our history and it seems commonplace to us because it's all we know but if you actually look at evolution and um you know even a lot of the most recent research that's coming out regarding um species that that thrive it's the ones that cooperate with each other and it's the ones that actually have beneficial systemic relationships within their species and even with other species say like bees and flowers you know that's a cooperative relationship there to where they're both getting something that they need and there's no reason that humans can't engineer things like that as well it's just a consciously doing so because we've engineered our society to be this rugged individualistic society where we're all separated on our little boxes and everything and that's kind of the mentality and mindset that we're all used to essentially and it will be a pretty big paradigm shift for people to essentially start thinking it's a change of thought to where it's not how can i get everything that i need but how can we produce enough for everybody? You know, how can everybody thrive? You know, and, and, and there's a pretty big change in a, a paradigm shift there. Just, you know, thinking, thinking that there's not enough and that I have to get what I need. And that's going to be at the expense of somebody else or something like that, as opposed to, you know, what there is enough, especially if we all cooperate with one another and we focus on just producing abundance, you know, so everybody can get what they need. So given that the current economic system is so entrenched in our society now, what challenges mm-hmm. do you anticipate in convincing people to embrace the moneyless society? Sure, it's a great question. Um, th- th- one of the main challenges, I think, is going to be, uh, just like I was saying, the, the mindset that it's even possible. Because right now, these conversations are barely happening in the public realm. And there's a lot of uh, people that just haven't even really considered that this is a possibility, you know, and, and for things like this to be to come into place to be manifested in our in our world, it ha- we first we have to think it can actually happen, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's going to be a big shift, you know, and it, because a lot of people don't even think it can actually happen. They're like, Oh, well, it's just impossible. You know, it's that socialism or communism and it always ends up in authoritarianism authoritarianism and millions of deaths and things like that and and it's not really the case because we actually have we actually have some really good models in today's uh, society as well that are shifting in that direction. For instance, cooperatives. Uh, um, I don't know if you're familiar with cooperatives, but I, I talk a lot about worker cooperatives in particular as being a structure that we can use to transition to that type of society. Worker cooperatives are a type of business entity where the workers actually own part of the company. So where they actually have an ownership interest, they receive profits and dividends from that company. And workers are actually incentivized a lot, a lot more to, to do a good job because they own part of the company and they will actually receive some of those benefits. And there's multiple uh, wonderful examples of cooperatives working really well in our society too. Like the town of uh, Marinelda in uh, Spain has been a co-op. It's got about 2,500 people. It's an agricultural co-op. They've been around for about 30 years. They don't have mortgages. They also don't have a police force because they don't need one. And uh, people just simply get what they need. There's another federation of cooperatives um, in the north and eastern part of Syria, uh, in the region known as Rojava. Um, it's a large region, actually, and they and they are a cooperative federation. And a lot of the time, they just bypass the monetary system altogether and give people what they need. Um, the largest cooperative in the world, um, called Mondragon, has about 80,000 employees and 100 different companies as subsidiaries. And they're a powerhouse manufacturer of solar modules. They have their own university. They have a town uh, that, you know, thousands of people live there and contribute to this company and everything. And the model works really well when you actually 
really give people more ownership and more uh, democratic say in what actually happens with these companies. And we see there being a shift in mindset towards less people being exploited by this capitalist structure. So it's no longer this hierarchical structure, you know, pyramid with one person or the investors at the top telling everybody what to do. That ownership and the decision making is more distributed in a horizontal fashion to where we get people actually more involved in the process and they have a say in what happens with the company. And they also receive more of the benefits from these companies as well. And we view these as really being kind of a transitional tool that we can use to create these systems of abundance, you know, and and what what would it start as say maybe there's one co-op that produces food, right? And another co-op that produces housing. If they both enough get enough of a surplus, they can start pro- providing their own members with those things for free, right? And then maybe they can network together. So the co-op that produces food provides the co-op, the, the, the people that are involved in the co-op that produces housing with food and vice versa, right? And so they can network together and start providing each other things for free. And that's kind of the model that we're looking to adopt and build upon and use as a transitional model you know, to eventually create a moneyless society. But I'd like to say that there would be a big transitional period with yeah. all of this as well. So it's kind of like, how would it look in transition, you know, versus how would it look, say, several decades or, you know, lifetimes in the future when all of this is really solidified, more kind of like of a Star Trek economy sort of a thing. So what would that transition look like and how long would it take? Well, there's, you know, various stages to it. The stage that we're in right now is really just kind of creating awareness, right? Uh, the, the, this is actually possible. And that's what we do as an organization. I have the book that I just finished, Moneyless Society. We have a nonprofit as well. We have a podcast. And so we really like to get that message out there that, hey, these things are actually possible if we make them possible, if we focus on building them and creating them in our world. Um, But like I was saying, you know, eventually people will probably start to come together and form small communities and cooperatives that are focused on at least heading that direction. It's not going to be an overnight thing to where we're going to like have all these systems in place and all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, we just built a moneyless society last week. You know, it works great, but it's going to be more of an experimental process that'll probably last decades, really. You know, I don't even know if I'm going to see anything like it come to fruition within my lifetime. It would be great if I do, but there will probably be smaller, maybe some larger groups of people that come together and start building communities, cooperatives, and forming these arrangements to bypass the monetary and the banking and the trade system altogether. And a lot of it will be producing things locally as well. You know, like what can we produce locally here in our community, you know, and and sustainably because sustainability is a big part of it, you know, with climate change and us just using resources to kingdom come without any regard as to, you know, what that's actually doing to the world, our environment, or how much is actually left of a lot of these things. You know, that's because capitalism essentially, essentially incentivizes just resource use and resource exploitation no holds barred, you know, and now it's really catching up with us to where we have to do something about it. We have to scale down. We have to start producing our food, our products and things like that locally and communities. Otherwise, we're going to extinct ourselves. And that's just a fact of the matter because we're using far too many resources far too fast. And we're also running out of places to put our trash, which includes uh, CO2 in the atmosphere and climate change and all that situation. So 
There's a lot to lot to unpack there. You see, it's a kind of long transition. Is that ideal? Because if this is something you're really passionate about, I guess you'd want it to happen tomorrow if it could. <laughs> if it could, yeah. I mean, but it, I think it would be high hopes, you know, to really to really think of that any of this is going to come to fruition within just a few years. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're heading that direction, and I want to. Don't get me wrong. I want this to happen as soon as humanly possible, especially in smaller pockets. You know, it's kind of like a proof of concept sort of thing. Um, but realistically, it's probably going to be decades before the idea really catches on, and before people that really start to make that transitional minds, minds, you know, the shift in mindset to where they can envision it being possible, or they've seen instances of it actually working in their real life. We think that's going to be kind of one of the one of the main catalysts to this happening is actual communities being developed and in working order to where people are getting what they need and bypassing the monetary system altogether. You know, if you can go and visit a community next week or next month to where that's actually happening, you know, to where you can see automation and technology really utilized to their fullest potential and people cooperating and just, you know, getting along and making agreements. Okay, great. And creating an abundance of food and other things that they actually need, you know, it's possible. The, the larger things like cars and computers and things like that are, are probably going to have to be regionally produced in larger facilities, you know, with, with, you know, higher technology and things like that. But food and shelter and clothing and a lot of the very basic necessities, we can produce a lot of that locally in our own communities right now if we really put our minds to it. And that's kind of the shift in mindset that we really want to adopt. And then and further in the future, it'll probably expand into the larger items like cell phones and computers and healthcare and education and energy and, uh, you know, the things that it really takes more infrastructure and larger scale, you know, in, uh, institutions and organizations to produce, essentially. So. And how far do you imagine it going? Because food makes complete sense that you'd want that to mm -hmm. be shared without money. But if we don't have any money anymore i can't just go and pick up a massive airplane that would cost millions of pounds that would be ridiculous surely yeah and honestly it's kind of ridiculous to do that now for just one person to have a massive airplane that costs millions of pounds at the expense of what at the expense of you know thousands of tons of co2 going into the atmosphere at the expense of you know thousands of workers and everything else that all had to work together to provide one person with one plane. Now, on the other hand, what we really do want to create is access to things like that. Not to where you own your own plane. You're like, this is my plane. I get my, not every, everybody's not going to be able to have their own plane. Sorry <laughs> to break it to you. The world, the world doesn't have that many resources, you know? And, but we really do want to create systems to where people have access to those things that they need. So instead of like, say vehicles are a great example, right? Not everybody needs to own their own vehicle, especially not two or three vehicles that just sit in their driveway for 22 hours a day doing yeah. nothing. What we want to create are, say, automated vehicles, autonomous vehicles that drive themselves around and pick you up and drop you off when, whenever and wherever you need it. And then that vehicle goes on to its next destination, picks up the next person, drops them off where they need it, and, and so on and so forth. And this way, we could probably reduce the amount of vehicles that are needed by probably like 80 or 90%. 
especially if a lot of the human labor is not necessary anymore, you know, and, and these leisurely traveling, it would be leisure instead of, instead of, or, or instead of, um, sorry, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but like a lot of the travel we, we envision like as not being necessary today, simply because it has to be generating economic activity just for people to survive, you know? And so we're like, well, we need to scale this down a bit. We need to have a controlled kind of economic contraction and, and kind of have people volunteer voluntarily be like, you know, I don't really need to drive across town for this because it it can be produced locally or, or, you know, if we. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do that, we do it in a more sustainable way, you know, with vehicles that are, you know, powered by renewable energy, you know, that, are, that aren't fossil fuel vehicles. And let's say, and it's not to say that we couldn't have luxuries either. We could, we could travel across the world, you know, and, and planes that are powered by renewable energy as well. We could have networks of cooperatives all over the world. So let's say, let's say you're in, you know, New York and you help somebody build an automated garden in a cooperative there. And the project is done. You all throw a big party and everything and you have a great time and you meet a bunch of new people and that project's done. So you're like, okay, how about next we go to Portugal and we build an automated garden in Portugal now or something. And so you go do the same thing there and you, you know, build an automated garden and you meet other people and you have a good time. But it's also kind of like traveling and a vacation at the same time, too, because you're, you know, you don't have to do it. You don't really have to work. It's something you chose to do and that you're probably hopefully interested in doing, you know, yes. or or if you want to go in somewhere and, you know, go to a particular school and have an education or something like that. It's kind of like and we envision a lot of these systems kind of being more interconnected too. So let's say like 
the education that Harvard has might be available online to everybody, you know, and you don't have to pay for that sort of thing, you know, or, uh, you know, it, it, it's just kind of up for up for debate and up for experimentation, too, as to how a lot of these things will end up coming together and evolving as well. And we don't say there's one right way to do all of this. We just say, you know, it might work this way. It might not work that way. But let's find out. Let's experiment with it and see what ways could work, you know, and and what works in one place might not work in another place. You know, the food that's growing in Florida, probably some of it's probably not going to grow, say, in Alaska or Siberia or places like that. You know, so what works in one place might not necessarily work in another place. And it's going to have, you know, different different visions and outcomes and aims depending on where people are, uh, you know, their climate. It, their geography, even their culture and what they want, you know, out of out of their local society and environment and community and everything like that. So it's a complex subject with a lot of moving parts. Um, but I do I do dive into a lot of it in my book, you know, and I kind of scratch the surface of a lot of it because we could talk even just about how you could produce energy in the money of the society for hours, you know. Um, but you know, there's so many different aspects to it. It's, it's, it's hard to sum it up all in just, you know, a 30 minute conversation. Yeah. And are you hoping to make a lot of money from the book? (laughs) It would be great because honestly, it's going to take a lot of money to create these systems, you know, and I would be giving the book away for free if I didn't have bills to pay and a family to feed and things like that. Um, but on the other hand, you know, yeah, we do ask for donations for our organization and people give us a lot of grief for that. They're like, Oh, you're moneyless society. (laughs) for donations like yeah you know we still exist in a capitalist world unfortunately um but yeah i mean the creating these systems is going to take money it's going to take resources it's going to take people a lot of which will have to be paid for their labor um you're going to have to buy property and build houses and build structures and repurpose other structures and we're going to need resources so yeah, the more money we can get involved in this, the easier and faster it will be to create these structures, you know, because they're not going to happen all on volunteer labor. I can guarantee you that much. And if you do make a lot of money from this book, mm-hmm. let's say you make so much, you put it all in your savings or whatever, what happens to that money once we transition mm-hmm. into a moneyless society? I mean, that's a great question. Uh, essentially, I'm not, my goal isn't to have a massive savings account, you know, with a billion dollars <laughs> in it. I'm not really, I'm not too concerned with becoming one of the richest people in the world or even extremely wealthy. I want to start creating these systems and structures. And I mean, if there's a bank account with a bunch of ones and zeros in it, you know, whatever. If we don't need it anymore, it's obsolete. What what happens, you know, to the milkman <laughs> or the uh, or the um, you know uh, the medieval knight? <laughs> Essentially, do they even exist anymore? You know what what happened to the elevator operator? Do we even need those things anymore in our life? Yeah. No, not at this point because we push a button and it just happens. Milk is at our grocery stores, you know, and there's no longer roaming hordes of barbarians that we need a medieval knight to protect us from, you know. So if we have a bank account with a bunch of ones and zeros in it, yet we have everything that we need, why would we even care? You know, but it's not it's not my goal to make a ton of money. It's my goal to make money and then put that money into creating these systems, you know, and that's that's my ultimate goal is to see these systems come about. Hopefully some of them within my lifetime, which maybe maybe they will. I've got another 40 or 50 years probably (laughs) if I, you know, if I live a good long life. 
But um, but yeah, it's no, it's a great question too. It's like, what does happen to the money? Well, you know, what happens to toilet paper when it goes down down the drain? <laughs> you know, same sort of thing. It's just, do you need it anymore? Not really. I suppose the general idea of a moneyless society would aim to help with this. But charities work by receiving money, donations. How can you help a charity as an individual anymore? Well, if we have charities in a moneyless society, they're probably not going to look the same way that they do now. I mean, the ultimate goal is to create abundance everywhere on planet Earth, essentially. So there is not one single person out there that is going without what they need. And I'll just give you a little bit of backstory on myself, too. I mean, it's kind of relevant because it's one of the reasons why I created the organization and wrote the book. Um, I had somewhat of a tumultuous childhood growing up. My mother committed suicide when I was 15 years old. Um, she couldn't get the help that she needed from the medical system. She got in a car accident. She got severe whiplash in her neck. Uh, she got addicted to painkillers and eventually went uh, schizophrenic. She started hearing things that weren't there. She thought the government was out to get us and stuff like that. Eventually, she jumped off a bridge. Um, that happened when I was 15 years old. Completely destroyed my childhood. I ran away from home. I dropped out of school. And I subsequently had a really difficult time getting the things that I needed too, especially education, mental health care, things like that. And I really struggled to fit into society. I've had over 100 different jobs. I've waited tables at eight different restaurants. I've delivered pizza seven different times. I've had 20 different telemarketing jobs. I've been a real estate agent, a poker dealer, a piano teacher, an insurance agent, and the list goes on. You know, And I'm tired of seeing businesses just exploit other people for their own gain. I'm tired of the healthcare system that doesn't give a crap about anybody and just cares about profits. I'm tired of the banking sector saying it's going to do things to help people and then basically doing nothing, you know, and just being more concerned about their own personal profits and interests. And that's essentially what our current monetary system incentivizes. So I wanted to check out of society. I wanted to go live in an eco village or something like that and say, screw you, I'm out of here. But I had a kid too at a young age because I was kind of this promiscuous teenager, you know, very rebellious and whatnot. And um, so I ended up paying child support. Plus, I really wanted to be a part of my daughter's life as well. So I couldn't really just be this nomad traveling around the world. Um, I was forced to kind of go out there and be a part of society and get a job and this and that and the other, even though I kind of failed at it miserably time and time again. Um, but I saw a video, I saw a movie called Zeitgeist Addendum that presented this thing called the Venus Project. The Venus Project kind of has this idea called a resource-based economy, which is this very futuristic sort of society. Um, but there was no community out there that was actually trying to build this futuristic sort of society. I was like, I would have jumped on I would have jumped on the opportunity to go live in a community and start developing these sorts of systems and technologies and things like that, but it didn't exist. And so I was like, well, if we can start creating these communities, if we can start creating people, groups of people who are interested in creating these, you know, systems and structures and functions and everything, then that's what I really want to do, you know. And that's what we what what, what these systems and structures, the purpose of them is to give people what they need you know, in everyday life without them having to go out and work 40 hours a week at some job that may or may not be benefiting humanity. And a lot of these jobs out there do not benefit humanity. They are simply sucking up resources and wasting people's time and driving them into the grave all for the sake of the almighty dollar, you know, and we can have so much wonderful things and so, so much abundance 
if we just focus on creating the systems and structures to do that. And that's and that's the main goal of the organization. We want to create these communities. We want to create the cooperatives. We want to give people what they need. It's basically a worldwide charity. You know, we want to show people that it's possible. We want to create it in real life. We want to help other people do that too all around the world. And whatever ways we can do that, that's that's what we're working on doing, essentially. Well, what's the next steps for you in order to spread the word? Well, the next steps for us is really just to start get out there and creating these communities and cooperatives, as well as just exactly what we're doing right now, having conversations about the subject, you know, and, and saying people, hey, you know, it, this is possible. We can do this. There are instances where people have done this, at least in smaller scale, at least pieces of it in the past. It can work if we really put our heads to it. Um, we just have to figure out how to do it and how it's going to work. And it's not going to be the same everywhere. You know, so if people are out there, I suggest picking up the book and reading reading exactly what what these systems and structures entail, because it is complicated. It's a complex subject with a lot of details that need to be hashed out. And and I don't have all the answers either. I kind of scratch the surface of a lot of it in my book, but I, but I say it probably 20 times in my book. This will probably evolve, you know, and it's probably not going to look exactly like this in the future and things will, you know, fail and we have to learn from those failures and how they went wrong. And we have to pick it back up and keep going, essentially. Um, But, you know, starting with the book, learning more about it is a great place and then starting to actually create these systems and structures in our own lives. You know, if there's a if there's an empty plot of land down at the end of the street, hey, maybe we can create a community garden. Hey, maybe if we have some people that are, you know, technicians and familiar with robotics, maybe we could even start to automate some of that garden so some some of these people you know there'll be less human labor involved in us actually eating you know and and it's like you're saying too you know that that is incentive in and of itself you know just creating something that can feed your entire neighborhood you know what i mean how cool would that feel if say you and four of your friends created an automated garden that could feed 500 people in your neighborhood right and you got together and all had a party and celebrated and everything and they gave you just positive feedback in that regard and you develop relationships and you and you have a sense of community and belonging and contribution and all these things that are really integral to our survival and well-being and happiness, you know, that a lot of us aren't even really getting out of the life that we're living now. You know, we're living these completely detached, compartmentalized lives where we're hopefully enough, uh, we can make enough money one day to where we can have fun, (laughs) to where we can actually have some leisure and community, you know, and just friends and and actually make a decent contribution to society. If people are like, well, can't do that because I got to pay the bills, you know, (laughs) okay, when can we start doing that, right? And so that's that's kind of the mindset that we want people to adopt as well, that, you know what, money isn't the end-all be-all. Having a big house and a big car isn't the ultimate goal, you know, creating community and relationships and having time for self-care and and compassion for each other and friendship and, you know, just really developing the things that are integral to human happiness and, and health and well-being and real wealth. Real wealth comes in the form of having what you need, you know, and having community and really feeling, feeling that sense of contribution and everything. So, 
I mean, that's that's what we really want to create. And if, and if people are interested in helping create that, highly suggest checking us out and and letting us know what you think too, because we're always open to feedback. We're always open to you know new thoughts and people coming in. We're an open discussion, and uh, we welcome all the critiques and criticisms and whatever else we can get. Well, where are we able to keep up to date with you? Of course, buy the book and support the cause. Absolutely. Um, so we have a, uh, our Facebook page is a pretty decent following. We got about a quarter million followers on Facebook. Um, our website, moneylesssociety.com. You can check us out there. We're constantly adding and evolving the website. We're probably going to revamp it pretty soon because it's it needs a good revamp. Um, we have a Facebook group with 24,000 people that has a lot of good discussions going on constantly. Um, we're also, we have a, we have a nonprofit organization. We're always looking for volunteers and more help with this subject as well. We're actually about to implement a governance system called sociocracy, which is much more of a horizontally democratically controlled governance system rather than one person being at the top. Like myself, I'm like, I don't want it. I don't need it. <laughs> you know, we want it. We want everybody to have a say in this and we want everybody to be involved and feel like they actually, you know, uh, have have you know some sort of input and and that they're and that they're valued in the organization and that not just expendable as a uh, you know employee. Um, so yeah, check us out if you want to volunteer for our organization. Go to our website moneylesssociety.com. Click on, click on the uh, button that says contribute. You can either contribute monetarily or with your time as a volunteer. Um, and also, uh, if you just Google Moneyless Society, you'll find our podcast. We have a podcast of our own as well. Uh, just finishing up our second season now. Um, and we got a lot of projects going on, too. We have several other organizations that are kind of getting involved with us as well. Uh, so it's 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 growing and it's really exciting to kind of see it taking on a life of its own and having a lot of people that are getting excited about it too. So I yes. enjoy it. Well, many thanks for joining us today. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Throbbing Pulse of Sound, the Toby Gribbon Show.